Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, And today I have Danny Bosworth, who is one of my lovely athletes. We have known each other for a good three years now, I think. And obviously with everything going on, we thought this is a good time to get her on. Because to be fair, we've been talking about it for ages, but we've never actually got our heads together. So I'm kind of glad we finally sorted our lives out. <laughs> but welcome, babe, to the podcast. Who are you, if people don't know who you are, and what level of spice do you like at Nando's? So my name's Danny. Um, I am a competitor in the bikini class, and I am also a coach. So I coach both competitors and non-competitors. I used to be a one-to-one PT and then transitioned fully online last, in like December 2018. Yeah. Um, and the spice I like from Nando's, I actually really like the um, mango and lime. Very nice, very nice. I think they've changed it though, haven't they? It's like a mango and passion fruit weird one. You know I've not been to Nando's for a while now. Um, and obviously I've been on prep for five weeks, so I haven't been eating out. No, definitely not. But I agree. Um, I've tried medium, but then I feel like I can't have the medium sauce as well. So I, I agree. I'm a mango and lime sort of girl. Yeah, I'm quite diverse. I like to change up. I do like them all. <laughs> have you ever tried the extra hot? No, I've not tried the extra hot. But no, I've not. I like the lemon and herb. I like the mango and lime, and I like the medium. I remember during you know that. Sorry, talking about like food, like straight away. You know they get that like wings roulette thing. Yeah. I kid you not, tried it with my friend. I ha- I managed to pick up all the super hot ones and I was just dying. I was just like, this is not fun. Nightmare. So I think let's go all the way back to, I guess, like how we first met. I think that might be quite fun because yes. I think we, well, we didn't actually meet properly until Body Power, but I think we kind of knew of each other on Instagram, if I'm correct. Yeah, definitely. Because you put out the... Um, like advertisement for people to help you brainstorm with Compap. Um, And I was in that focus group, the initial focus group. So that's kind of how we first got chatting. And I loved the idea of Compap from the get-go, which is why I kind of wanted to help you out with it as much as I could. Um, And then after that focus group, we then met at Body Power. I think that was shortly after, so yeah. yeah. That was when I was still kind of ooh and ah and didn't know what it was going to be called, had no idea how to do it. I was like, I've got this idea, but it's never been done before. So I'm just going to keep it on the down low and just see if anyone actually wants me to do this. <laughs> yeah, and it's all paid off. Thanks, man. I always remember your, um, your feedback, like your questionnaire feedback was so good because you just went in... I feel like during you feel like you, you ask a question and people are, are answering the way you think they want you to answer whereas you were just like no don't do this yeah do that but then you've got to think of this and I was like I like this girl she's just been so like blunt with me but it's exactly what I needed to like push compact in the right direction so it was really good and the thing is like you needed in that situation you needed proper feedback not kind of like people to pretend that they think one thing or like try and conform to what they think you want. You needed some honest feedback. So um, yeah, I remember just answering that as honestly as I possibly could, really. And look at us now. Look at us now. So talk to us about 
your competing journey, I guess. So you've done three different federations across the kind of span that you've had. You've also had a range of shoes, which I think is very interesting as well. So I think let's start with um, like your competing journey. Like what time frame up was that? Um, and guess, bring it up into where you are right now. So I first competed in 2016 um, in junior bikini with the UK BFF. And in my first show, I didn't place. Um, and I then went into like a short improvement season phase and competed in junior bikini again at the start, well, middle of the next year, so middle of 2017. And I won junior bikini with the UK BFF. And then I competed in my height class the weekend after and came second. Um, so I did make some improvements in like a short period of time. And then I did the British finals in 2017, didn't place at the British. I then competed again in 2018, but switched over to PCA because this was when the whole route to get your pro card changed and everybody moved over to sort of PCA and two bros because they became more popular. Mm -hmm. um, so I then did junior bikini with the PCA and won that show um, and then decided to do a two bros pro qualifier where I came third. And then I entered an improvement season for the whole of like the rest of 2018 and the whole of 2019. And then I started prep five weeks ago for 2020. Time flies, right? Time flies. I didn't realise you didn't place in your first show. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, Jazz. Like if you look at my pictures, I wasn't. I know now I wasn't in stage condition. Obviously, at the time, it's your first show, so you don't really know what to expect, and you don't really know, like, what you're looking for as mm. such. Um, I had a coach at the time, but, yeah, I, I wasn't... I don't think I had enough muscle tissue to be in true stage condition at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but I I loved the experience, and it it really showed me that I wanted to do this long term because I enjoyed the whole thing. Like, even though I didn't place, I loved it. <laughs> That's good. I was the same. I was just like, did place, but I quite like this gig that I've rolled into. So I'm just going to keep rolling with it. <laughs> exactly. Literally. I just like, I love the whole experience and the whole process of it. Um, and I, when I did that show, like I just wanted to do it all again and, like I wanted to become a better version of myself and that's what really kind of like drove me to continue. Mm, definitely. So I think what me, what might be interesting as well to know, to mention, because um, I found it interesting watching, sorry, I'm kind of like half eating my pre-workout girls. Um, you had a coach, we're going right back to your last season where you had PCA. And I think it was four weeks out, wasn't it, that you then were coaching your you went for having a coach to complete coaching yourself that looking back and I think it's interesting to kind of note to kind of note as well the what was going on during that time and the stresses and yeah like what coaching yourself taught you within those four weeks I know it was a very very stressful four weeks for you during that time yeah so from 
my show in 2017, I think about four weeks after that show, I coached myself through an improvement season. Um, and then I started with a new coach when I was about to start my 2018 prep. So I started with this coach and basically went straight into the prep of 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and the prep itself was quite different to what I would usually do, which is cool. Like I'm all for different methods and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, however, I did realize towards the end of that prep that that coach wasn't the right coach for me mm -hmm. and that it, the process wasn't working as well as it could have done. And I knew that and it just didn't feel right. Um, so I made the decision to then take over my own prep. And this was about four weeks, four and a half weeks out from the first show of that season. Mm -hmm. So from the PCA qualifier that I then won, um, and I then continued to coach myself from the PCA qualifier to seven weeks later at the two bros show that I did. So I coached myself for a total of like 11 and a half weeks in that prep. Um, and then of course, through my improvement season in this prep so far, I have been as well. And those last four weeks into that PCA show, like it was really weird because I started coaching myself and I dropped quite a lot of weight. I think I dropped about half a stone in those last four and a half weeks, wow. which when you're close to stage lean is a lot of weight. Mm. Um, and I also felt like it was a massive weight lifted off my shoulders because I knew that that, that coach client relationship wasn't working properly. Um, and that those, whatever was going on, those protocols were not working properly for me. So, um, yeah and I just kind of had to trust myself with that it was quite difficult because at the time I was living in like three different houses because we were in the middle of moving house me and my friend so I was between my nan's house my mum's house and the flat um we were gonna say so, the gym at the end of that <laughs> no definitely not the gym I wasn't quite living there but I was PTing so you could say it was my second home <laughs> Um, but I didn't have like a consistent surface to weigh myself off. Obviously, I had the same set of scales, but when you put them on different surfaces, it can change your scale weight a little bit. Um, and I didn't have consistent lighting. I tried to take my pictures outside, but still like the background was different and it was quite difficult to compare things. I still managed it, but obviously all of these variables being all over the place, it makes it a little bit more difficult um but yeah it, I mean it ended up paying off because obviously I won that PCA show when I was happy with how I did at the two bros show as well um but it it kind of like took me a while to make that decision and prep myself because when you're at the end of a prep when you're towards the end you do doubt yourself a little bit you do think that you always need to be better you always need to be leaner um and I was so far in, I was scared to like make changes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're so close to a show, you're so sensitive to anything. And I knew that. So I was kind of like, well, you know, this could go one way or the other, but luckily it all went well. And I just had to trust my gut and what I did work. So mm. I think a lot of people, um, whether they decide to coach themselves after they move away from a coach or switch to another coach, when I think when you get to that eight week mark, 
and you what you feel like you need to do it but you're scared it's such a horrible time because you've already got a bit of prep brain you're probably already doubting yourself a little bit and you're trying to battle with that mentally and then it's the better the enemy you know sort of mentality um what sort of advice would you give to people yeah who potentially could be in that state whether they they want to change their coach but they just feel like is a lot of stress at that time to do it, but they know it's kind of potentially what needs to be done, if that makes sense. Do you know what? Yeah. It is quite difficult to give like advice on it because at the same time as that being the right decision for me, I think it can be very easy to second guess your coach through a contest prep because you've got a lot of different opinions being thrown at you sometimes, whether that be on social media, friends and family, people at the gym, like whoever you are, when you go through a prep, you're going to have lots of different opinions thrown at you and you have got to trust your coach and block those opinions out. However, there can still be a time when it is appropriate to either like switch coach if a, if a relationship isn't working it isn't working and if you don't trust your coach if you don't thoroughly trust your coach and you've got like a massive gut instinct that things aren't working then maybe it is time to you know switch you've just got to be you've got to be quite level-headed with it because I don't want to sort of give anyone the wrong impression and people think, well, you know, my friend's telling me that what my coach is saying isn't what they're doing and maybe that means I should switch. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if something genuinely isn't working, you don't feel like you click with your coach, you don't feel like it's a productive relationship, you don't feel like the communication is there, then maybe that's the time to switch. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes as well, the stress of deciding whether to switch is more stressful than once you've actually switched over. Like on the flip side of that, people, once they've done the switch, they usually feel better, but I agree with you with the opinion side. You've kind of, I always try and visualize it in a sense of, if you're trying to ride a horse, do you know the blinkers that those horses have and they can only see straight forward? Sometimes you've got to be like that. Um, because at the end of the day, everyone's gonna have opinions exactly as you said. And it's one of those things, I think if, it's, if communication breaks down or you don't feel like you can trust them fully or even like little things. So I remember for me, um, this was a few years ago, but I wanted to switch blueberries to raspberries because I was running low on that one day. Um, I didn't have time to go to the shops. So I would have macroed it, would have been the same. I remember being told, well, you're not taking your prep very seriously. And that for me was a red flag that I should have left, but I didn't. And it, things did kind of the relationship did break down so I yeah. think kind of as you say being level-headed and being and thinking am I having these doubts because I'm listening to other people's opinions or are you having doubts because of the way potentially the way they're treating you um yeah all those little things um, I think I it's important to sort of distinguish like we're not saying you should leave your coach because you we're not saying that you should doubt whoever you're working with all the time or leave your coach based on other people's opinions however it's if the actual relationship itself between you and your coach is not working or you don't agree with their sort of morals and their um ways of going about things if if you don't want to associate with yourself with the type of person they are 
and you don't agree with what they're telling you to do you don't agree with you guys don't have the same sort of um thought processes then it might be a time to switch if that makes sense yeah i agree i agree so how was it you doing a very very long off season was it difficult for you seeing so many people prepping and everyone constantly asking you like what were people's opinions generally with you taking such a long it's fair, it's not even for me it didn't look like an off a long off season but i can imagine for other people how long you took off stage might be perceived as a long off season so how was that for you seeing everyone prepping while you was working away did you have moments where you're kind of thinking oh like i should have just like gone straight into like like another competing season um how was that for you last year obviously it's like at first i think it's more difficult than when you actually settle into it and you get you get further into it um and i knew it was the right decision for me so like i never once thought you know actually maybe it would be better for me to compete because i knew that wasn't it wouldn't be right for me to compete so soon like i needed to take the time to recover from competing like three seasons back to back first of all secondly make the improvements that i needed to make because looking at my two bros photos from 2018 i just needed more muscle tissue i needed more density um, I was one of the younger girls because obviously at the time two bros didn't have a junior category so I was just in an open height class and at the time I was 21 I want to say um, so in compared in comparison to everyone else like I was the younger person on stage I didn't have that muscle density that muscle maturity and I just needed to take time out to get that and I knew that that wasn't going to happen overnight. You know, hypertrophy is a very slow process. You've got to be really patient with it. And actually recovering from the prep itself takes a while before you can even start to make progress with hypertrophy. So I knew that had to happen. I knew I was going to have to allow time for that to happen. Um, and I also wanted a bit of like a mental break, break from being in prep. Yeah. Um, and some time to obviously I was in a new relationship with AJ I wanted to just enjoy that be able to go on some holidays um, spend some time with friends and family and just be a little bit more relaxed in that sense as well you know competing is a very full-on sport and you have to be mentally ready to go into a prep as well as physically ready so I knew I had to take that time off and I as soon as I went into that improvement season phase I was like I'm not competing in 2019. That is like a rule for myself. It's off the cards. <laughs> and then I just stuck to that. And um, obviously the plan is to compete this year, depending on how things go. <laughs> yes, definitely. So your plans at the moment have been July, haven't they? Yeah, but I'm open to changing that, you know, depending on what happens with this whole situation, like, for example, if the gym's closed for longer than two weeks and I have to have time off the gym, I'm going to lose muscle tissue. It's kind of a given. Um, at the very most, I'll have to do a period at like maintenance. Um, so, you know, if that happens and we have to take time away from resistance training, it's not exactly going to put me in the best position to just continue prep because I won't look my best by the end of it. Um, however, that being said, 
we have ordered some gym equipment for the house. So if that comes in time, then I might be able to continue prep. Um, but at the end of the day, if I have to push my prep back a little bit, if I have to compete either at the end of the year or next year, it's not the end of the world. There could be much worse happening right now. Um, and I'm willing to wait. You know, it's, it's just really not the end of the world. My time will come to step on stage and I'm very accepting of that. And, um, you know, I, I've not, I'm not just competing to, to step on stage. I want a really solid season under my belt. So if the shows end up, if some shows end up not going ahead and we only have a couple of shows at the end of the season, then I might just wait till next year, but we'll see. So has this period at all, I don't even know if it's called this period, like obviously with everything going on, is it COVID or COVID? I keep saying the wrong thing, COVID, isn't it? So we may as well just call it the coronavirus. because. I just saw everyone's doing like these abbreviations. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, okay, let's call it the coronavirus. I'm down with that. I can say that one absolutely fine. So with this sort of period, has it taught you anything or shown you anything? I think it's a really like, it's a, well, I say nice. It's a nice little reminder to be grateful of like the, the small things. Cause obviously we go to the shops at the minute, you can't get what you want. It's quite annoying. Um, we might not have access to our gym soon. Um, there are loads of things that it is a nice reminder to be grateful for little simple things, which make a big difference. Um, even the fact that you know we're supposed to social distance we might not be able to see certain friends and family who might be at a higher risk even social interaction hopefully it's a reminder for people to be really grateful for that um, and even just being grateful to be able to prep in optimal conditions as well because you know that might be taken away from us soon and if it is hopefully people will appreciate the ability to be able to prep and accept that it is a luxury when it does come around again. Um, say, even like this weekend, my mum's messaged me saying, um, you know, or everyone come on mind for like a roast dinner. And it's, I said in my head, I'm like, I don't even ever want to see her. But not even like the case that I don't like my mum, because I love my mum. But it's the whole like actual social interaction stuff that like I know that she's got to go and see my nan. So it's just like, it's mad, isn't it? It's very strange how it, so the world has shifted slightly, I feel, at the moment. The one thing that is quite nice is seeing people kind of come together and support each other, um, because I think that is happening, you know. It might not be everywhere. People might be fighting a little bit in supermarkets in London. I've heard of that. Um, but in some ways, people are coming together and they are supporting each other. Like, there's been a few social media stories on Instagram where people have been tagging each other trying to find ways of helping small businesses, which is just so nice to see. Um, so the community aspect of it is really nice. All right, we're back. Just the dog's just being an absolute pain. See, this is why sometimes I feel like I need to do a video so everyone can see how cute this dog is. But no, I completely agree. I completely agree. I saw um, a video actually of this lady who just did like a 48 hour shift um, in a critical illness unit. And she's like, went to the shop you couldn't get anything I was like mate like I don't know it's it's crazy but I know what you mean like I've, it's been lovely having people even just like random people just message me like are you okay I'm like I think so like, I don't really know at this point but I do think it gives you a lot more oh 
sorry, my dog's nearly falling. Can you stay still, please? Um, it gives you a lot more time, I think, on your yeah. hands, which I think is only a good thing. Because how how often do we all moan that we don't have time? And now yeah. we've got it. I mean, to be completely honest, like my work demand has increased, if anything, because I'm obviously just churning out. I'm adapting everybody's programs. I'm replying to messages. My clients need my support more than ever. So if anything, my workload has increased. <laughs> but um, it's nice that some of my clients are like working from home. They've got more time to learn. They've got more time to consume content of good quality. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's nice for people, I think, in that sense. And um, hopefully people will although it's a bit of a shit circumstance, people will appreciate the positives of the current situation. Yeah, definitely. Because you and AJ were hoping to prep at the same time, weren't you? Yeah, he's he's literally just started prep. Um, and the original plan was for my season to be sort of the beginning of the year and his to be at the end. Now they may well be at the same time. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm open to whatever happens. We don't know how fast all of this is going to blow over. We don't know whether the gyms are going to close or whether they're going to stay open. Um, so, yeah, I'm open to having to be flexible with my competing calendar. It's not the end of the world very true it was very strange to having to edit the um compact calendar that i make and i was like putting these dates in but i don't think they're gonna be here anymore but it was very strange it was very very strange and things are changing like on a on a daily if not hourly basis so it's a really strange situation to be in um and obviously with clients as well a lot of my clients were planning on competing this year so it's all a bit up in the air like they haven't got as much direction as they might have had in the past but I think that just emphasizes how you really need to enjoy the process of competing of bodybuilding as a whole to be successful long term with it because if things like this happen and you don't enjoy the process you're gonna sack it all off and yeah. you're not gonna get very far yeah it's very true that's very very true so I think let's switch from that um and i just find i don't know why i find it very interesting because most of my athletes they tend to stick with the same style of shoe and you have switched so many times but i think it's really really cool because i think it's that insight of how the different styles actually make a difference um yeah. and how there are different variations because sometimes it's hard to explain that like i've done the visuals and stuff but because I've tried all the stars out and you've pretty much tried all the stars out now. It's quite interesting. I think, I think if you want to start with your UK BFF, from my memory, you had the Crest 401s. I yeah. might be lying. So, I originally had the ones without platform. Yeah. Like the Crest. Yeah. So I had those for both the UK BFF and the PCA show that I did. And part of the reason I had shoes without a platform is that I am like middle to tall in terms of the height of the junior. So junior, junior bikini is not split into height class. Mm -hmm. And I usually end up being about like medium height in comparison to everybody else. Yeah. So if I was to have worn a platform then, it would have kind of made me look a little bit less 
I don't know how to describe less medium. <laughs> um, it would have obviously increased my height on stage. I was just going to say a bit more mango and lime instead of medium. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it would have obviously increased my height. Yeah. And I think being in the middle of the heights is a positive thing when you are on stage sometimes. Mm. Um, and also it was kind of the done thing. I think with UK BFF, we weren't even allowed a platform. So that's why I originally started without a platform. Yeah. And then obviously when I went over to PCA, I was allowed a platform, but I just stuck with the same shoe. And I think that was a positive thing for me to do with me just being in the middle of the heights. Um, yeah. And then when I transitioned over to two bros, I went to Karina for a posing lesson and she was like, what are those granny shoes? Because in two bros, everyone wears, I think most people wear platforms. I don't think I've seen anyone not wear a platform. Yeah. The girl that um, won the overall for Kingdom Classic, I noticed that she had some caress 408s on her. But the rest of the girls, they were, yeah, it was some sort of a platform, whether it was a flare sort of platform, which is quite small, all the way up to like a cocktail. So, yeah. And the thing is, you want to, like, when you're on stage, I'm sure you'll agree with this, Jazz, you don't, you want to fit in with everybody else. So it's almost like, look at the people who are placing in your federation, whether that be the IFBB, um uk bff pca whatever it is look at all of the girls at the top and if they're all wearing the same thing you're probably going to fit in best if you wear that sort of design of shoe um so that's why when i transitioned to two bros i wore a bit of a platform just to fit in with everybody else um do you have so the lip was the lip 102 wasn't it yeah the original one was the lip 102 so um, how did you find having so in, bet in between the caress and the lip you've got an extra inch in your heel and you've got an extra maybe half an inch ish on the platform so that's it's a bit of a step up but it's not i wouldn't say it's massive just because the platform just offset it but how did you find switching up to that um and obviously the platform as well, how would you find them was the posing? And also, did it feel more comfortable? But again, I don't know these answers at all, but did it feel more comfortable having the Lip 102, which has got the double strap in comparison to the Caress, which has just got the one strap, which is keeping yeah. it secure? I much preferred the Lip 102 to the Caress um, in terms of the ease of walking and the ease of posing. I feel like the platform gives you something to push against when you're posing, if that makes sense. Um, and I just found them easier to walk in, I think partially due to the platform and partially due to the second strap closer to your ankle. Um, I felt like they felt as though I was having to hold them on less. So when I was walking, they didn't feel like they were gonna slip off or anything. So I liked the fact that they had the second strap um, and they did feel a little bit easier to walk in due to the platform, I think. And then we've switched again. So yeah. we switched again. I remember, was it last year that you got the cocktail 501s or was it this year? This year. Yeah, so this year, I remember you must be like, this is what daddy does, right? She feels bad for asking me. And she's like, Jazz, is it all right? I forget. I was like, yes. I was like, which ones? <laughs> so we got the cocktail 501s now. So they, in comparison to lip, still the same heel height, chunkier platform at the front, 
and slightly wider. So going between those, they're, they're fairly similar to your nose, but going between the cocktail, so going from the lip to the cocktail, what difference did you notice making that little change, if you did notice anything at all? So one thing, which I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, Jazz, seeing as you've just said they're wider, but my toes with the lip used to poke out of the bottom. And with the cocktail, they don't. They feel more secure. They feel like my foot, my foot just like is more secure in the shoe. Whereas with the lip, my toes used to poke out the bottom and I used to get like sore on the top of my toes because of that. Because yeah. of the strap pushing against my toes. <laughs> Definitely as well, I've noticed being in the off season, if I try and wear a lip or a flare in the off season, I've got some more fat on my feet and it does feel a lot tighter. Whereas with the cocktail being wider, you don't, you usually don't get that issue as you just said with like the toes kind of poking out per se. So that thickness of that platform, did you feel that was a big difference or a big jump at all or not at all? You can tell, um, but I think the biggest thing what I noticed was the toes thing, just how it just felt more, more comfortable and my feet were no longer sore when I was wearing them. <laughs> Um, but no, I do really like the cocktail. I, I feel as though they fit my feet a lot better and they feel easier to walk in as well. So you haven't changed the size of your shoes at all, have you, between caress, lip and cocktail? It's always been a size six, hasn't it? Yeah, I've always stuck with, so like true to size, really size six. Cool. And then the final switch is from the cocktail phone one. We got another voice note, which is like, Jazz, I was like, yes, it's fine. But it was between, so you went from the cocktail five one. Um, actually, you show, you tried the detachable straps first, didn't you? Because I gave you some. You yeah. know, to see if that made a difference. And then you switched over to the cocktail 508s, which is the ankle straps. So explain yeah. why. So I know this sounds a bit weird, but it's just interesting to see why you chose different styles at different points. So why yeah. did you go between the cocktail 501 to the cocktail 508 now? What's been the decision? And then what's been the difference that you've, made between because you've always done strapless right so what's the difference between for you going between strapless to the strap sort of shoe so when i had the lip shoe with without an ankle strap it had a second strap closer to your ankle not an ankle strap but like i don't know how you would describe this a second yeah a second plastic band like the one that goes over your toes basically Mm -hmm or your lower foot. Um, And that gives you almost a middle ground between having an ankle strap and not having an ankle strap. So I felt a little bit more supported as in when I'm walking with the lip shoe, I felt as though I wasn't having to try and keep them on my feet. But then when I transitioned over to the cocktail without the strap, when I was walking, I just felt actually, you know, these are feeling a little bit looser near my upper foot near my heel um and I felt like I was having to consciously try and keep them on as opposed to with the lip just walking like normal and not looking awkward (laughs) um so because of that because of the the fact that I went from the lip which had the second strap to the cocktail which didn't have that second strap I felt less supported when I was walking. So I then asked Jazz if I could have the cocktail shoe with an ankle strap 
just to give me that little bit more support. And now I feel like I'm not having to hold the shoe on when I'm walking um, and they are perfect. Yay! Sometimes it takes a while, isn't it? What is it? Um, you have to kiss a few frogs to get your prints, kind of that sort yeah. of thing with shoes. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, like, you don't really, it's hard to know what to go for until you've tried them and you've seen what suits you best and what feels best or you know people listening to this will hopefully get a bit more of an idea because you can look at what everyone's wearing in the federation you're competing with the girls who are placing and then based on the additional information such as whether you feel like you're going to need a bit more support or whether you think you're really experienced walking in heels and you won't need an ankle strap you can hopefully make a more educated decision. Yeah, it is difficult to make that decision, I think, when you first start out. And I've tr- I've been very blessed, obviously, I can trial them to kind of do that test run. I would never wear strapless. I'm so bad in heels, like, so bad. If it wasn't for competing, I don't think I could walk in heels at all, to be honest. Yeah. So I always find the straps make such a difference. So have you already decided on, obviously, you're competing in July, did you start already kind of looking at bikini styles, all that sort of thing? Or are you kind of like holding out? So I have been looking, yeah. Um, I think Instagram's really useful, to be honest, because when I like scroll, obviously I follow a lot of people who make bikinis yeah. as well as athletes who are at the top of the federation I compete with so essentially like I follow a lot of IFBB pros and things like that I can see what they're wearing and if something kind of stands out to me and I think you know oh she's got similar hair color to me and that looks really good on her um and she's also at the top of the federation I want to compete with then I'll just save it and then I'll have a look through and sort of see what I think look will look best on me um and i also have an idea of what color the background of the shows i was going to compete in was because sometimes honestly it sounds stupid but sometimes it makes a difference like if you've got a light blue background and you're wearing a light blue bikini it's not going to stand out yeah so that's also something that i do take into account i'm quite kind of uh, i have a lot of attention to detail <laughs> Um, and I've also worn a few colours myself, so I've seen myself in a few different colours. I know what I suit, and um, I actually sent some pictures to Jazz of me from my, one of my stage pictures from a previous show. I coloured my bikini in like different colours, so I could oh, see nice. what I would have looked like if I was wearing like red, for example, or purple. Um, and although it's not exactly 100% accurate because you're wearing different coloured makeup and stuff, um, it can still give you an idea of what might suit you. Yeah, so definitely. I made the mistake when I did PCA. I was well, not a mistake, but I know exactly what you mean. Because I look at my stage photos from PCA who have a very blue background and I had a very blue bikini. And it just kind of like I was trying to do some like camouflage act and I was like, that was not intentional. <laughs> No, and the thing is, like, you want to stand out to the judges. So, you know, your bikini really does come into that. And it sounds like it's picky, but it really does make a difference sometimes, especially if the standard is super high and it's a really close call. Who catches the judges' attention is going to make a difference. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So for people right now, 
let's do a few different scenarios. Say they were planning to do April shows. They now aren't doing April shows. What sort of advice would you give them right now? So first thing, right, do not go at food like a bull in a china shop because if you do that, you're basically setting yourself back and like losing that opportunity because you've just, you've basically completed almost an entire contest prep. Mm. You're in really good condition. You could take advantage of that massively and be really responsive when you start to bring your food up again because you're really lean mm. um, and you'll utilize that food really well if you are sensible with it. And you also want to be careful because you want to maintain decent condition so that if the shows do get back up and running, you are able to get back into stage condition and without killing yourself. Because if you gain a ton of body fat from where you're at now, um, you're going to have to push yourself really hard to get back into stage condition. And obviously that comes with its own consequences. You're going to experience more negative effects to your health um you won't be able to diet on as much food you might not have as much of a pleasant experience you might find it more difficult mentally so if you stay in control now and you are careful with your approach and you do maintain decent condition whilst pushing your food up and reaping the benefits of where you're at right now um you'll be able to get into stage condition much more easily and you'll be in a really good position as well like say if you start to work your food up from where you are now um you'll obviously regain muscle fullness you might regain some muscle tissue which you've lost through prep but you're maintaining good condition at the same time as that so it's not so hard to get back to where you are um so you know just don't don't throw it all away basically do not throw it all away yeah. and also recognize that this process hasn't been a waste you know there's so much to be gained from a competition prep it's not all about the end goal of stepping on stage. You've learned so much about yourself. You've got data which you can use in future preps. You've built a brilliant relationship with your coach. Um, you've made some great friends throughout the process. There's so much to be gained from it and it's not gone to waste. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I love that. So I had a question and it's gone out of my head, which is really, really annoying me. Ah! Right, we're back because like I lost my train of thought, but we're back now. So leading on from what you've just said, there's gonna be a lot of people who are obviously just done a big prep. And generally, as, as to be fair, I think this goes for anyone in general. They're in a certain routine, they're used to a certain way of doing their setup of their day. Potentially, whether they're dieting or not, a lot of people are having a lot of change to their general routine especially if they're starting to work from home yeah and i remember having this kind of like weird shift because i don't know about you everyone's like oh working from home must be like amazing you get all this free time it's like actually it takes a while i think to settle into properly working from home and having that self-discipline and that routine um so what sort of things can you advise people who are now having to work from home because i think it sounds luxurious but i think the practicality and not being distracted by things i think sometimes can be a little bit harder so are we working and then suddenly be like 
oh, I need to do those washes, those um, dishes downstairs. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, I need the toilet now. And then I'm like, oh, I need to put that wash on. And then the postman comes. And then like an hour goes, you're like, oh, I actually haven't done anything. And now I've got to do X, Y, Z. So what sort of things can you advise people who potentially are struggling to keep that sort of routine and structure? especially when they are actually working from home because I know that you've been working from home for a while now so I class you as a pro so tell us all how to do this <laughs> so the first thing I would recommend is like make sure that you create some sort of routine for yourself and that's not to say you know you don't have to work exactly the same hours as what you did when you were in the office you've got a little bit more freedom with that but you need still need some sort of structure to your day um, and it has to work for you so find, kind of recognise the times of the day when you're the most productive and capitalise on that um, and give yourself breaks as well as, you know, time to work. Don't just try and work all day because you won't be productive during that period of time. One of the first things to take into account is like you to create that routine, you need to create a routine with everything else like for example your sleep so i would try and maintain a consistent bedtime and a consistent wake time because if you just sort of like let yourself lie in and then get up mope around start some work just kind of go about your day without any sort of structure you won't get much done and your sleep if you nail your sleep you will feel so much better in yourself your concentration will be better your productivity will be better um, and if you have a, have a designated time to go to bed and switch off and a designated time to wake up, it will just help you feel so much better. Um, so that's the first thing I would nail. And then I personally like to have a to-do list. So what I, I, use a, I use a passion planner. If anybody hasn't heard of them, they're really good. Just you have one. Um, I do. And can I just say the amount of emails I'm getting from those guys that are doing 75% off, I think now's the time to get in it. Next yeah. time, I'm waiting till March to get my calendar. I swear to God. One is <laughs> are really good. You don't need a passion planner of board. See you right back. Oh. No problems. <laughs> so what I was saying before I forget, before I lose my train of thought, um, is that I have a passion planner. You don't need a passion planner. However, what that has is a place to jot down your work to-do list and your personal to-do list. And you can also plan out your day literally by the hour. So you don't have to be quite so rigid with things, but I like to at least have a to-do list and tick things off as I go along so I can see what jobs I have to complete each day. Um, and I can sort of, at the end of the day, they're all ticked off and I know that they're complete. I don't have to go to bed thinking about work. Um, and what I also do, obviously I work as a coach. I have a list of my clients and when they've checked in, I put a green mark next to their name. So I know who's still left to check in and I'm on top of my check-ins and how much work I've got to complete for the rest of the week if that makes sense um so when that's done i feel quite at ease because i know everyone's looked after and everybody's checked in so i like lists and i like to tick things off as i go through the day and that's something you know if that method works for you it's it's really good and it is really useful do you have like a certain room 
do you have those boundaries quite strict or does it do you find that it's better when you're a bit more like fluid like sometimes you work for the lounge sometimes you work in the room blah blah, blah that sort of thing so I'm quite strict with it um, and obviously everybody's different but I find if I work in my bedroom it I don't really feel very restful when I try and then go to sleep because I'm associating that place with work so I like to be quite strict with my boundaries and I have my office where I work when I go down to eat I leave my work phone in my office usually unless I'm really rammed with work and then I'll take it with me and listen to voice notes and stuff mm-hmm. but I try to leave my work phone up here when I go down to eat and when I take Barney for a walk so that that's me splitting up my work time and my whatever eating time or my time with Barney um so yeah I just try and I try and be quite strict with it like I said if I am super busy I will cross those boundaries a little bit and I'll like take my work phone out with Barney or like when I'm eating or whatever but I try not to do that where I can help it it's hard sometimes isn't it I think the 80 20 usually is quite good with that it's like have that 20 being right when things are really really round then it's just right crack on just do it at the same time but I like you'll generally find as well like if you give yourself time away from work when you then come back to work you'll be so much more productive and you'll actually get a lot more done and be quicker with what you're doing whereas if you just drag it out throughout the entire day and literally try and work in random kind of I don't know like letting everything cross over and just kind of going about your day but trying to work at the same time you won't be as productive and you won't get as much done yeah definitely do you work at weekends usually yes but I do different kinds of work so Monday to Friday are my clients checking days some of them will then so for example if someone checks in really late on a Friday night I'll get back to them on a Saturday um so if I'm doing any check-ins on a Saturday it's like first thing in the morning and then for the rest of the weekend I'm like studying because I'm still doing my sports nutrition diploma um and I'm writing programs and doing sort of admin tasks whereas through the week it's majoritively actual check-ins if that makes sense yeah um and consultation calls and things like that but yeah I do work through the weekend um it's just different kind of work I don't do check-ins at the weekend and the reason part of the reason I don't do check-ins at the weekend is because sometimes I will be traveling to shows and seminars and stuff and I don't want someone checking in if I might not be able to get back to them because I'm at a show um so I'd much rather them check in like Monday to Friday and know that I can get back to them within 24 hours yeah yeah I know what you mean remind me when you finish your diploma you said it to me before um so I'm on my last module now I can't remember what the deadline date is but it should be done soon (laughs) I'm on the last module anyway put it that way so the end is nigh the end is nigh I like that how long have you been it's been two years right um under two years because essentially what I did was I was on the old version of the diploma that I'm doing and then they updated the entire course and they gave us the option to transfer onto the new version but if we did that we had to start from scratch so we 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 had none of the work we'd already done so I was already part of the way through the course and then I transferred onto the new diploma because obviously I wanted to be up to date with what I'm doing um and started from scratch again so in total I think it will have been maybe a year and a half 
on this actual diploma what I'm on okay I suppose I always remember when you first started and I think you were just your schedule was manic you say yeah I've got to do my diploma I was like sound bad I always forgot you were doing it I was like oh my god and then everything else she's got right now it's just like on top on top that's cool though it's okay it's like it's it is full-on and it's quite intense however it's also the type of thing you know you don't have to do it nine to five you don't have specific lecture time so I can make it work around my schedule I can do my check-ins and then in the evening do some of the diploma I don't have to do it at like certain times if that makes sense yeah sounds good sounds good so I think let's finish it up we can't say like an hour which is like perfect timing I love when it's like this sort of time what makes you not just bikini girl down oh gosh I don't know how to answer the question <laughs> there's so much I could say to that question I feel like I could ramble for ages oh I know my dog's going off again <laughs> about it answer what now I swear why is this dog doing this to me what you've thought of anything yet <laughs> um so I'm not just a bikini girl because I am also a coach who I I really care about my clients and they are a huge priority for me and at the end of the day like although I love competing it doesn't come be- before everything else in my life and there's a lot more to my life as well as that and if I did lose competing yes it would be sad but it wouldn't be the end of the world um, and I know that I've got a lot more to give than that to the people in my life, whether that be friends, family, clients, my business, you know, my sponsors. There's a lot more to life than just being a bikini girl. Very true. It's very, very true. Love that. So thank you so much for listening, everyone who has tuned in. Do make sure that you leave a review and subscribe. If you want me to, Danny to come on again, then I'm more happy to have her on. But thank you, babe. For coming on the podcast it's been long overdue it's my pleasure good fun yeah see you guys in the next episode